Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news tips and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who've made this podcast possible, makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom stables, Clara Lens. In case you're wondering, my name is Dr. James Diem, and I'm on the East Coast, joined by my talented co-host, Reppin' the Other Coast. Dr. Roya Habibi. What is up, Roya? The other as in the best coast? The other coast. That's all I have to say. Okay. 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 Happy September. It is September. Happy almost fall. Happy school season. Yes, it is. Happy all the things. Yes. Listen, I think the most important thing that we need to talk about right now is the American Academy of Optometry meeting. November 3rd through November 6th. Am I right? Yes, I am. This is a big deal. Do you want to tell them why it's a big deal? I mean, you should it be is going a big deal. Meeting. You should big, be. And honestly, deal. it's pretty cool to finally... I don't know. This feels like we've had a couple test runs with a few other meetings, but this, this should is, be the big one. This is the big one. I think you're right. This should be the big one. And not only is it huge, but like we've basically rented out 17 booths. 17 and a half. Actually. And it's going to be a try not to flick. Honestly, there, they're, re, they're renaming I've it. I heard there's going to be clowns. They're I've heard there's it. going to be uh, American chocolate op- fountains. American optometric, try not to blink. Champagne fountains. Academy. Uh, very um, TED Talk style, um, you know, presentations, like with just bright minds. We'll Uh, probably have a lot of um, Sour Patch teens. (laughs) Yeah. Not the the small ones, not the kids, the teens, the bigger ones. I didn't know what the hell you were talking about. (laughs) What the hell is that? Sour Patch teens. Yeah, big candy. It was like when you were a kid and you were going uh, trick-or-treating and you were like, that is the house that has the big candy bars. We are the house. We are the booth that has the Sour Patch. We're going to be boothing it. So listen, yes, we have our own booth and it is going to be big SHIT, lots of fun stuff. If you would like to be part of our booth extravaganza, please send a message, send a text, send a smoke signal. We want to get with you and have fun. Uh, and I mean that in a totally professional way. Um, so uh, we we want you to come by uh Say hello, get a selfie. There's going to be lots of fun stuff. We're going to have competitions. We're going to have giveaways. And it is going to be the place to be in the exhibit hall um, adjacent to our main squeeze, of course, Valley Contact. There's going to be a ton of uh, really good information available there. So uh, definitely check it out. Roya, what else? What do you think? I think that's true. Another thing, Jimmy, are you going to be, I think it's two weeks from now ish in um, Vision Expo? It's a little sooner. <sighs> I am actually not going to be at Vision Expo West. Are you going to be there? I don't know. I might be in the market for a thing or two, so I might okay. go. But might be, might be there. Okay. In a, a more unofficial role. Uh-huh. And obviously, might we're be, not debuting on the floor, not beyond debuting might on the be- floor. 
You might be getting some stuff, though. I might be getting some stuff. All right. Might be something we need to talk about there in the well, future. We'll once, leave what, people with that little cliffhanger. Once a, once, a, once official, we will have a lot to discuss. Oh, my goodness. This is... I can't even contain the excitement. So, listen, I think we should just move on from that before somebody spills beans and we get in trouble. So, let's jump into the the discussion of the day. All right, everyone, we are super excited, uh, very honored to have a very well-known uh, industry and uh private practice, uh, ophthalmic world uh, leader here with us. I think really a trailblazer in dry eye and uh, practice management in particular. But um, if you have been living under a rock, then you don't, then you might not know who this is. But if you've literally opened up any magazine ever, gone to any uh, uh, industry event, you've probably seen this uh, woman at one of these events teaching uh, you, uh, the professional, and your uh, folks in your office, you know, how to be successful and how to run a successful team-oriented, patient-centered uh, practice. And uh, I, I'm going to just real quick read a little bit about um, who we are talking about, and you'll probably uh, know just from the first few lines. So as a chief administrative officer at Bowdoin, am I saying it right? Is is it Bowden or Bowden? Bowden, exactly. Okay. I didn't want to say it's wrong more than once. So Bowden I and Associates, Patty Markey, COE, is responsible for operational management and corporate administration of the organization. That's a lot of stuff. And this is a big practice, guys. Lots of, lots of, I always say it's like herding cats, right? You know, dealing with, uh, you know, the various uh, um, uh, folks in a practice. Um, she's been instrumental in the development of Bowden I and Associates. Uh, um she, she has led the practice over 37 years, I, I believe it is, maybe maybe a little less, maybe a little more. But one of the things you probably know her uh, for is the, uh, the beginning, the evolution of uh, Dry Eye University and Dry Eye Partners. So Dry Eye University really is the trailblazer, the first, uh, the often imitated, uh, seldom duplicated, uh, dry eye standalone event. And here we are now, there's one like every weekend somewhere. No offense to any of those people. Obviously it's a great thing and we need to have more, uh, dry eye education, but really you started this whole thing, right? Um, you and your, your, uh, lustrous partners there at, uh, Bowden Eye. So, um, I know that didn't do it any justice, but, you know, Patty, thank you so much for joining us here today. Well, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here. And thank you for all those kind words. Well, please. Well, we, we all know it's true. So let's go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. How the hell did you get into eye care? What, where did this all come from? Oh, gosh. You know, I've been in eye care now 44 years. So I've been doing this forever and I have done almost every aspect. Everything from being an optician to being a technician to being a scrub tech, billing department, um, everything. You know, I've done every aspect of it. So when the management opportunity came along, I kind of fell into that. And I, um, you know, I enjoy the successes. You know, we all have failures, but I don't I can't thrive on failure. I have to win. I'm that type of person. You so, are. I know. I could tell. I love that about you. 
I love to work on integration of new technologies, on um, training and mentoring staff, and you know, I have some wonderful staff that have been with me for a very long time. And it's fun to watch them grow and fun fun to watch them learn. And um, you know, I've just kind of been that person that haven't hasn't put a ceiling on where I can play in the eye care space. So um, dry eye kind of, um, you know, it's interesting because I've been a scrub tech, I've worked cataracts, you know, premium eye wells, I've done a lot of different things with industry. But for some reason, when dry eye um, came along, we were working hard on dry eye, we were always trying to take care of those patients. And we were always trying to offer them the best But back in the day, there wasn't that much to offer, you know, we had artificial tears and I think the mistake a lot of practices made is to them, every artificial tear was the same, but for us, they were all different. We really started paying attention to the different types. Um, we knew MGD was there. It's literally Dr. Bowden's records 22 years ago had MGD under his slit lamp evaluations. I didn't even know what it was when I first came to it. <laughs> I kept asking, what is this MGD we're all writing here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were like number one in restasis. We were doing everything. And then Lipiflow got approved. And when that approval took place and I found out about it, um, I had a dear friend that was, you know, working for Tier Science at the time. And we just snatched it up. We were like fourth in the state of Florida, ninth in the nation to have this particular technology. And it kind of was the push to help us move further and to start to realize that there actually maybe were some things we could do to help these patients. We knew we couldn't cure them, but we knew we could help them. And there were so many of them. When you, to take a step back in that same comment or on that same run, you were talking about like, as each thing was coming out, for instance, when Lipiflow came out, were you now in management at this point or were you still somewhere else in the, in the game? No, I was managing at that point And, you know, I had, started working with Dr. Bowden and we kind of had that same mindset when it came to new technology and the integration of new ideas and new thoughts. So we worked hand in hand with that. So, you know, I was actually at a lunch the day I learned about Lipiflow and I brought it back to him. I told that rep, I'm like, look, we weren't even at lunch to talk about that. We were just friends <laughs> having lunch. And I'm like, what are you selling? And she told me, and I'm like, dude, you got to show this to us. So, um, you know, we signed the paperwork within the week and we, paid for our unit, you know, within six months. And that was back when, you know, it was like $99,000 to purchase it. (laughs) And, but along the way, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we had to learn a lot because we got it and we threw lip flow at everybody with a dry eye and we quickly learned, wait a minute, there's more to it than this. It's not working on everybody. And that's how we started you know, we started really kind of tweaking our presentation of it. Um, we started understanding what works with it. And because we got good at it, the industry started asking people to come, you know, and hang out at our office and learn from us. My only struggle was then that they really wanted to focus on whatever vendor it was, only wanted to focus on their particular science or their cool. particular magic button at the moment. And I had to keep saying it's multifactorial and we can't focus on one thing. If these people don't learn about all the things that they need to know, then they won't be successful. And that's why a lot of units were sold and a lot of units were left sitting in closets yes. and dust because 
they were kind of sold the idea that you could just, you know, have this and you could fix everything. It was like an ATM, right? Yeah. It's yeah. going to make you money, but not always it the is, case. Right? I, honestly, though, still people, still sometimes I'll have reps come in and be like, so what are your, like, one, two, three for treating dry eyes? I'm like, it's not that easy. No. And I know you should know that too. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that I love about, we just admire from afar for your practice is, like, you you can't do all this in the room with a patient. You know, doc walks in, they have all these aspirations to treat and cure dry eye, but it is such a big deal. And not only is it a big deal to try and treat this complicated process, but it is, you need everyone kind of on the same page, understanding what's going on, how to prescribe certain things. Like even like in my own practice today, I have a lip flow device. I had a patient uh, that was sign- like the ex- encounter said Lipiflow. I literally had never seen this patient before. I rarely do it day one. I want to see what's going on. Like it doesn't fix everything, right? But it's st- it's very hard for everyone on the team to understand what is treating dry eye, what is treating the symptoms, what is understanding the problem, and how. Like again, like me, I'm a young doc. I come in all these great ideas, but like, how do you get that through? To whether it be a new practice with a doc who's all excited about it versus, you know what I'm trying to get at? Like, how does it really, how do you get that full package where you can actually treat the problem? I think, you know, and this is where we try to break it down at Dry University. And it's all about, to me, it's creating a process or creating a standard of care where you compartmentalize the components. So, you know, all of us or most eye care practices have figured out how to compartmentalize glaucoma patients. You know, you need diagnostic testing, you need baseline testing. And once you have baseline and they're diagnosed, you need yearly to document if there's any changes. You need pressure checks. You know, you've got all those little puzzle pieces you're putting together and dry eyes, no different. And I think in the beginning, when you first kind of dip your toes into it, it's a lot. But when you start compartmentalizing it and understanding that each of the pathology portions of dry eye has a fix Maybe it's not a fix, but maybe it's a treatment or a therapy or a product that can help it. And you start mixing and figuring that out, you know, it becomes super easy, actually. But in the beginning, it's got this confusion that I think sometimes the industry perpetuates. Um, And that's that's too bad. You know, we're at this point now we're getting ready to have number 21 Dry Eye University, right? 21 programs. And we've gone from the very first program to where there were so many elite um, therapies or technologies to now there's so many me too's, I call them. Yeah. Ah, me too's, I love it. And the me too's are okay. I mean, many of them are wonderful things. And, you know, yeah, competition is great. And sometimes um, competition um, produces even better products, right? So, but Me Too's are great because now we can present different platforms to people and your office might be better with the iLux or your office might be better with, you know, tear care or your office might be better with Lipiflow. And then we've got this whole thing going on with reimbursement right now, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we start, um, you know, at DryU now, we now have vendors, you know, there's multiple imaging companies. There's multiple MDD treatments, you know, biologics are trying to compete. And the one thing we have done is kept gold standards in place where, you know, there's some that don't get in. I mean, they asked to come to the program and we're like, 
you know, it's just not tried and proven yet, you know, and let's get it. Let's, just, you know, we'll try it. We'll test it. And Dry University is kind of like telling it like it is where we do not hold back. We tell exactly this is how it works. This is how it's worked for us. This is what we've had to combine together to get great treatment for these patients. And this is what works. And I think the new young provider just has to sit, hear it, and then start to break it down and compartmentalize it. And they can do wonderful with this. Love that. I think um, one thing that, you know, you guys obviously do very, very well, and just looking over your agenda, which you have a, a meeting coming up in uh, October, end mm -hmm. of October. Is there still availability? Yes. Yes. So uh, you could go to the website, check that out. It's October uh, 23rd and 24th, it looks like. Or maybe it's just October 20th. No, 22nd and 23rd. Mm -hmm. uh, but looking over your uh, um, your agenda, are they like quick little sessions that you have or like five, 10 minutes or really? like each one of the... Is that, it really? Yeah, that program is like 12 hours total. Wow. Wow. Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, how the hell do they go over all this? There's a lot of stuff here. Um, but you hit it all. I mean, you hit it all. And I think the big thing, you know, that, you know, Roy and I talk about, or if I'm talking to other, you know, offices is about identification, right? Is it the, the opportunity, you know, I know, we all know is there. And then a lot of times it's not identified. So then the discussion of treatment never happens. Like you said, people invest in these big, you know, um, they think cash money making machines and they don't do the work on the front end. So a lot of your success, um, I believe, has to do with an implementation of, and you know, this could be a dirty word of protocols and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of because protocols could be good and they could be bad because, you know, protocols maybe box you in a little too much. But anyway, um, in diagnosis. So let's talk a little bit about that, about a protocol, about diagnosis, and you know what are some of the tools you're using and recommend even uh, to use for dry eye diagnosis? Well, I think you know we're very fortunate to have the diagnostics that we have in the dry eye space right now. And there are a lot of providers who feel like sometimes diagnostics aren't needed. I've heard this before. I can look at an eye and I can tell what's going on. But, you know, that's proven to not kind of play out in the dry eye space. And for us, dry the, the diagnostics are like metrics and patients like metrics. And the metrics are the measurements of how we're doing. For instance, with Inflamadry, right, MMP9. Inflamadry is one for us. We built that standard of care and it's the protocol. And if a new patient comes in, we do a speed form. If the speed has a score of one or higher, which means we're symptomatic, um, we're now going to, uh, the technicians are now going to get um, osmolarity and they're going to get MMP9. So if that MMP9 is positive, we now know we have inflammation issues. And if there's inflammation, we're going to treat the inflammation. And then on a return visit, we'll repeat the MMP9 to see if now we're negative. If it's negative, then we can taper off or whatever the treatment was. And we won't, we won't repeat that except if the patient's having a surgery or they come in for a follow-up and suddenly that speed score is back up again. Hmm, because, okay. you know, for us, osmolarity and MMP9 go hand in hand and they tell us whether we're doing a good job or not. If the osmolarity is under control, inflammation is under control, then normally the speed and the patient's comfort is under control as well. Hmm. So I tell me, why, why, why do you use speed? Why, you know, why not something else or why questionnaire at all? A lot of people say 
screw questionnaires. You know, I did that for a week and I'm just, I'm over it. You know, I'm just, I'm not doing that anymore. It's garbage. So here for us in the beginning, speed was the form. Um, remember, That's we all are, it was, yeah. Now we're all back. So standard patient evaluation of eye dryness, right? And tier science had started that. Corb had kind of worked with it. And so that was all we knew at the time. And it became the mode of operation for us. So we, um, I've altered that over time. You know, it's a, ours now has a place for, uh, for instance, allergy symptoms, which will trigger, I like triggers, which trigger the provider to order allergy testing. It has a box that triggers an order for showrooms testing. It, you know, triggers, there's some questions at the bottom that also trigger Sjogren's testing. You know, for instance, does the patient feel that this is a chronic condition to them? If the patient answer yes to that, we literally have about a 30% positive rate on Sjogren's testing. Just wow. that simple question and whether they have rheumatoid and, you know, other things going on. What type of Sjogren's testing are you doing? We sent them to the lab. You know, NICOX used to have it where you could stick the finger and do the card and send it off, but that got out of control. And, um, you know, the different labs have it available. You can just Same test, though, right? You're doing the same test. It's still the show test, but it's not really called that anymore. It's just yeah. like the different antibodies that they have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I think for us, imaging, you know, looking at those myobomian glands, um, doing osmolarity and inflammatory gold standards across the board, right there, those three things. And then in our slit lamp evaluation, we're always, always, always measuring, um, pressing on the glands to measure what's coming out. You know, we're either using the CORB evaluator or even our docs are taught, use a Q-tip if you have to, whatever it takes. And if anything other than oil is is coming out or nothing's coming out, we got issues. We got to work on it. So what about germers? Germers, I can't even tell you the last time we touched the germers. There you go. All right. Old Got school it. in our practice. You know, we used to do them on bluff patients. We used to do them. We, we do a lot of research and studies, and sometimes a study will call for a shimmers, but that's about yeah. it for us. Yeah. Yeah. It always is really shocking to me why, how someone can treat or call themselves like a dry eye, anything, mm-hmm. and not have some way to form or test osmolarity and some way to test inflammation because a white eye can very easily not be, <laughs> can test real red, right? Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. really insightful and really motive. Like patients are like, whoa, finally feeling validated, let alone like now you have an actionable plan on like, okay, you're not crazy. Like there's something wrong. This is why your eye feels bad. Of course it feels bad. Yeah. And, you know, when that first came out, we've had MMP9 for so long now. And, you know, Quidel has done a wonderful job with that. Quidel now has, you know, where you can do rapid testing for for COVID now. You know, I think there's a, such a quality company that they put these things out for us to make our lives easier. But, um, you know, I remember when inflammation and MMP9 was first discussed and docs were saying, I don't need that. I can look at an eye and tell. So we tested a whole group of doctors who thought they had nothing. And it was interesting to see the percentage of them with inflammation going on and how fast yeah. they wanted treatment, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah, okay, all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> what, um, what do you say to doctors who um, say to you, so obviously they say, yeah, we don't need that. We can see it without it. Or they say, you know what? I tried it. It didn't make any sense to me. And then the other thing I hear a lot is, it doesn't financially make any sense. You know, I don't make any money on it or it's, I lose money on it. 
What do you say to that? Since you have a lot of experience with that, is that factual? Yeah, you know, you're not going to get rich off of osmolarity and flamma dry. They're just gold standards in the dry ice space. And you're going to, the revenue that is driven by the treatments and the therapies and things you can offer to patients based on these metrics are where the, you know, where the, the pavement, it meets the road, right? Um, yeah, you got to monitor and watch. And if it's your standard of care to get them like ours is on those particular visits, then our staff knows if insurance coverage is not in place. Then the patient signs an ABN and the patient pays it. You know, we set our price, you know, $26 an eye on both of them purposely, and we collect that money. So when you look at the whole gamut of the number of patients that are having those diagnostics done, it evens out and you're collecting to pay the bill, but you're also driving those patients and educating those patients. It's such an educational piece to educate the patient. And now where we're getting into some insurance coverage, for instance, for instance, with Lipiflow and some of the MGD treatments, we've not been great at chart documentation on these kind of things. And I think building medical necessity in a medical record is going to become a bigger thing on some of the high ticket item treatments we're doing as it comes down the road. Hmm. Do you mind talking a little bit about the um, insurance uh, situation, we'll say? Uh, we don't have to go into that too much, but a little. there's a lot of buzz about it, right? You know, you hear it. There's a lot of Facebook groups where people are saying, you know, sort of snide little comments, you know, and, oh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, now you can't do it anymore. Oh, it's covered. And it's like pennies on the dollar. So what, what do you say to that? We're talking about specifically Lipiflow, obviously. Well, it's not just Lipiflow. You know, uh, Tear Care has coverage out there, too. And it depends okay. on where you're located in the country. Um, okay. Florida, luckily, you know, Florida likes to do everything different. And our Mac yeah. has not picked it up yet. So for us, it's not an issue in Florida. But, um, you know, I'm hearing $68 an eye for either Tear Care or Lipiflow right now. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of an issue. That's CMS and Medicare. You can see a mouth open. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a big deal because a lot of people have invested in the equipment. And I know that both Johnson and Johnson and site sciences are working, you know, hard to petition this and how it happened. And, you know, it was, it wasn't something they went out there and planned to happen this way. It's, it's like, where, where did they come up with the, that dollar amount? I mean, to be honest, like if the applicator was, you know, $5, it would be good. I'd be okay with that. You know, like, if it, I, yeah. I don't know. And, but the, and the equipment wasn't so damn expensive too. Right. I mean, cause then you never pay it back, but anyway, go yeah. ahead. What were you going to say? CMS didn't ask anybody how much. Yeah, they just said, no, this seems about right. They just arbitrarily <laughs> went down a list of codes and they added um, what they felt were, you know, and it was probably somebody, maybe they had an ant with dry eye, who knows. Um, but uh, there, I don't think there was any science involved in this or any yeah. measurements or any metrics or anything. And so there's a lot that has to happen to fix it. Just know that they're working hard to fix it and they're trying to come yeah. up with ways. And, you know, I think right now, um, right now, ILUX is kind of excluded from that. So it's one that's out there. But I think at the end of the day, you know, they're all, I think everybody's going to have to work together to come up with a solution for this because I don't think any of them will be safe long term. It's just my opinion. Um, but again, 
it doesn't mean that MGD doesn't need to be treated. So we have to get smart and find ways to treat MGD patients so as to not let those glands atrophy and die because that would be the travesty in it all, right? It's so interesting though, because you hear doctors when you're out there talking to, to them about, you know, the whys, the whys and the hows. Um, well, why isn't it covered by insurance? You know, uh, why, why aren't you, tier science, working to get this covered? You don't want it to be covered, do you? You know, that's what you hear. And now all of a sudden it's covered and it's like, wait a second, you made this happen. You did this, right? Like it's such a well, catch 22. If, if they can get coverage right, it will provide more care to more patients. And that's, I think it's great. Yeah, I, do. I personally wish we weren't in this condition right now, especially at a time when everybody's struggling and there's so many different things going on. Right. But remember, it's just CMS right now. It hasn't carried down to commercial carriers. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, Medicare is not the only patients we're all taken care of. So we have to kind of focus where we can and kind of come up with another plan for those patients. That's why medical record documentation is hugely important right now. I would, you know, suggest we're careful as to what we're ordering in our records and not order something that you can't deliver. So. Hmm. Just to clarify this, I'm like, maybe I've been under a rock. So we're saying that Medicare now pays $38 an eye for Lipiflow. 68, I think. 68. Okay. $68 for an eye for Lipiflow. So anyone who's potentially done Lipiflow in the past two months, I was living under a rock, said that it wasn't covered and it was. But but not everywhere, she said, because it's, it's not, not the same thing got across it. the United States. So you got to check with your, what is it, a MAC? Which yeah, is a, check with your Medicare program. Um, yeah. You know, like ours is First Coast, whatever yours is, have somebody go and check that code right away. Um, and then if anyone within those, with from when it became effective, technically you have to give the money back and file those claims. Dang, 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 dang. Well, then wait a second. So... <laughs> What if you're like, okay, I'm not trying to lose money on this, right? I'm not trying to just, get this whole conversation lip flow, but I'm like, wait a second. Turn off the podcast like, right like, now. About- <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm but kidding. seriously, like that doesn't cover costs. So right. what that's do you problem. do then? Yeah, that, that's the problem. You just say like, okay, I guess I got to eat this one. Well, and then hope that your other patients. Is that we, you know, everybody get their patients involved. Do and some I warm think, um, you know, you're going to have to file it because if a patient calls up and you collected the money, you're going to get a call to give the money back. But I would suggest you file it and appeal the payment. You know, whatever they send you, appeal it is not enough. Send an invoice of what your um, disposables cost. Send an invoice of what your uh, equipment cost. And, you know, we really all need to work together to get some petitions and really petition this and battle it because it's not fair. No. But it's not even sustainable. Like everyone's going to get rid of that device, whoever does have it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's no no uh, surprise to anybody here. You know, we've been living in very interesting times, right? And uh, one of the you know the thing is is the pandemic, and we often we were Roy and I refer to refer to it as the C word. We don't we don't we like we don't like to even say it. We don't like to give it. Uh, we're just uh, so over it. But anyway, we all are, and so. This whole idea of testing, you know, has been a hot button topic and, you know, politicized for better, or for worse. Um, not what we're talking about, but definitely um, a, a topic of discussion and certainly, you know, very big deal in the beginning of all of this and and maybe still even so now. Uh, and, and so 
very interesting that there are um, lots of places doing COVID testing, right? You can actually, I think, even get it yourself in in some form uh, mm-hmm. over the counter, maybe yep. even. And um, you could obviously go to CVSs and do- doctors' offices, hospitals, etc. So. Interesting uh, that, you know, quite L, we were talking about MMP9s, um, is a testing uh, diagnostic company, do, does does lots of tests for lots of different things. Um, and, and so it's kind of like their wheelhouse and they've been focusing on, on this technology and um, has now rolled out this technology to many different types of providers, including eye care providers. And I understand that you and your office have been implementing this or are in the process of implementing um, their quick view SARS antigen test. And so I think it might be interesting to kind of talk about that. How does that roll into your practice? When are you implementing it? And um, how's it been? Well, I chose back in Hawaii at a Hawaiian eye, um, I placed my first order. Um, I got to sit on a panel, a roundtable discussion on them. So I placed an order. And it, by the way, if you can't ever make it to that, you just give me a call. All right. I'd be happy to <laughs> carry. I'll carry your message. Say whatever you want me to say. I'll be happy to do it. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. I, um, you know, I've for surgery patients, it's great to be able to test the surgery patients before they, you know, get into your surgery center. But, you know, I also have this thing where I don't want to invite patients to our office who have symptoms to test them. Right. So in our clinical portion, not using it there, except surgery patients would be our, you know, but where I've used the staff, um, you know, I'm the go-to and, you know, right now with HR, it's just so different because, you know, I'm asking people, how do you feel? What's going on with you? Tell me what's going on with you. And, you know, in the past, that's always been none of your business. Okay. You're sick. Stay home. We don't want you. (laughs) I'm like, I'm having to dig it out of them. And, you know, anybody with signs and symptoms or if they've had exposure to someone else or they have a fever and, you know, there's so much people have allergies, they have stuff going on, but I have now have the test. So what we did is we took ours and we bagged them up into individual tests. You know, we broke the box apart and we put instructions in each one. So what we do if, if a staff member calls me and says, you know, Patty, I may be fine, but you know, aunt so-and-so was exposed and I was around her. And so we can test them, you know, and what we do is have them go ahead and come to the parking lot. Somebody runs the bag out to them and they sit in their car and they do the test themselves. They screenshot the results and they send them in to us, you know, and it's a little strip and it's so super simple. It takes about 10 minutes and um, it gives you that peace of mind. So we're able to tell our patients that, you know, I don't, I don't have a staff or all of them have vaccines. They, I can't mandate it. I can't personally mandate that on them, um, nor do I want to. I think it's their choice. And, but I have another option for those, you know, and some of the ones with vaccine we've had to test because they've right. been exposed as well too, because we just don't know right now. So I think for, you know, and it's so inexpensive and I, you know, I hope I'm not quoting a price that's wrong, but it seems like mine were like around $5 a piece. Yep. Yep. So it's very economical and it's something you can afford to do for that peace of mind. And, you know, likewise, 
you know, back in the beginning, I'm pretty sure I had some staff taking two weeks off saying they had COVID that didn't. Yeah, um, yeah. So now, no one would uh, do that. No one would it. do that. <laughs> no, I had somebody email me once and say, "Hey, do you have a copy of somebody's positive test I could borrow so I could use it?" And I'm like, no. "Stop!" Sharing <laughs> <laughs> that with you, but this, you know, for such an inexpensive peace of mind, and here for a while, staff was having a hard time getting them. Like. It, there was nowhere to go stand in line. And then if you go stand in line, there's a lot of sick people in line with you. And if you're not sick, you don't want to get sick. So this is just a peace of mind kind of thing that is very, very helpful for practices to be able to have. And it's just so yeah. simple. Did you, yeah, I think it's do you charge your um, surgery patients for this or are you just no, we just do it. I mean, at $5 yeah. a piece, no. I mean, yeah. there's probably a way to bill. I don't know that the surgery center could bill it. I think the practice probably could bill it. And I'm pretty sure Quidel has that information. Um, but I just don't want to get into the habit, you know, because we'll have patients say, like yesterday, we had another practice in town trying to refer us a corneal ulcer. And they said, you know, the patient's at day 10 with COVID. And we want to send them to you guys. I'm like, well, no. Send them to the emergency room. We're not equipped for a patient who's got active COVID in her office. We're not going to invite them here. Um, But for, you know, it works out good for your staffing, especially. And for yourself. Yeah. You know, if if you travel and you're concerned, like we all went to ASCRS, a bunch of us. I had each one take a test with them. So they would have it in their bag just in case you know, so that they could know right away for peace of mind as well. Love that idea. I, I think it's cool. And so interesting. I just got some information that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the test is reimbursable technically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you certainly don't need to do that, but you could, um, it is $5, you know, to purchase as a, uh, ophthalmic professional. Um, and then it is, uh, reimbursed $41 on average, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, and interesting, you think about how you bill a test. Um, test, right, has a CPT code and a diagnosis attached to it. Apparently, this does not need that. Um, it is an emergency use use authorization, uh, which means that regardless of symptomatic or asymptomatic, it is um, doesn't need a diagnosis code and. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what kind of lab status you have, whether it's high, moderate, or CLIA waived. Um, since it's, you know, something that's helping towards, you know, an identification of patients in the global pandemic, you know, it's something that folks want to have easy access to, right? So however you decide to do it, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania, at least, you know, I know um, that uh, optometrists in particular were um, given the ability in the state of Pennsylvania to do COVID testing. You know, that wasn't something we were able to do. That was part of, I think, the CDC guidance. And then it was taken into different states in different ways. Um, Another thing was also vaccine uh, distribution. That was part Mm -hmm. of, you know, the, uh, some other act at some point in time. And so that was another thing, you know, that, uh, optometrists were able to start to do if they chose to. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a unique time, a hell of a time to be alive, isn't it? (laughs) And, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to talk about these things. Yeah. I think, you know, we're all looking for, um, new and, um, interesting ways to take care of our patients and, you know, that's just another idea. You know, I don't know, like osmolarity and um, 
it might be none if we're going to get rich on testing people with COVID. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not. Know? Definitely not. If we broke out some antibodies testing, I bet we could rack up some. I'm not sure how to do that yet, but maybe yeah. that would be something that's coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody wants to know that, right? So cool stuff. Well, listen, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate your time. Everybody um, needs to check out, um, you know, Patty at uh, any event that she's at. If she's there, please, you know, go listen. She's a wealth of information for you, for your staff and 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 uh, your patient, ultimately. Uh, at Dry Eye University is a wonderful website. We're going to link it to our uh, conversation here today. Um, you could easily check it out and sign up for any number of their events. I think their next one coming up is in Texas, it looks like, but I think it rotates, right? It's always in different places, is that right? Um, usually in Florida, um, but yeah, Dallas will be this time, so. Cool. Yeah. Cool, awesome. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much, have a good one, we appreciate it. You're welcome, thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Well, that's it. Before we go, reach out to us for feedback, questions, stories, things you want us to talk about, either through email or on our Instagram or Facebook. We never depart without saying thanks to Valley Contacts for their support, both for the amazing lenses they make and the great people they are to work with. And be sure and tune in and listen to our next episodes. But until then, try not to blink. Blink.